It's Thursday, February 15th, 2024, and you're listening to episode 620 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 34 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Mary. This is Doug. And this is Wayne. One of the worst things that I have ever done in my entire history of gaming, outside of playing Palladium products, but I mean, we're going to, like, let's, let's set the calendars way, way, way back here. I'm just starting out, and my first game I ever run, Fast Star Trek, great game, was not my best jamming because it was my first jamming. And one of the huge mistakes that I made with running that was I took what it said in the books a bit too seriously. That how it suggested running the game is exactly how I ran the game. The same way you would like a board game, right? I didn't look at this and think, well, how is my group going to respond to this? Is this going to work for the way we tell stories? Because it's our first time doing it. I don't even have a frame of reference for that. And one of the bits of advice it gave that really caused a lot of problems and a lot of, at the time, was probably a bit of teenage hyperactive cruelty, but in retrospect was actually kind of funny, was they said that you should always be gaming on a map, right? So everyone has a little character counter, a little chit. And you should have a map that describes the terrain and shows the area you're exploring for your little mission. And I want to say this is not a tactical game. This is not a war game. But it's you beam down to an alien village to talk to their chieftain about the old computer that's pretending it's a god or whatever typical Star Trek plot. And you have maps for this. And my players would relentlessly try to find any excuse they could to do one of two things. Get off the map. Get off the map was number one. And so every planet they beamed down to had impenetrable walls, force fields, giant unkillable spiders. There was always something right outside of this little (laughs) island of light that you could not cross into, and it became increasingly absurd. So that was number one. Number two would be to nitpick the art, right? Because I was drawing these maps by hand. This is like the 80s. I had a printer, but it was just some dot matrix thing. There's no internet to go on to for images and whatnot. So I'm having to draw all these maps by hand. So it would always be like, well, what's this? What's this little hook over here? What's this little scribble over there? And in fairness to them, it might be significant. Maybe that was a clue I was using to try and tell the story, but they would nitpick every little thing that was on the map. You know, I've learned something over the years when it comes to maps. I am the type of player where if I have a map in front of me, I feel limited. I don't feel I have the same number of options as if I don't have something in front of me. There are other players out there that if they don't have the map to see where it's oriented, they go into that paralysis of not being able to do things. So when I have a player like that in front of me, I will grab a sheet of paper and doodle some lines Never giving any details. Yeah. Because if there's less details, they don't get fixated on, well, is this here? Is that there? Just to give them a, here's what I envision this person is standing. As one of those people who it's like, hang on, wait, can I just like see where people are? Because you're describing something in one direction. In my brain, it was going the other way. A general (laughs) relational doodle. Yeah. I don't want it, but I know if I have a player that needs it. Yeah. 
then I will do that. But I will never give them a fully developed map that has, like, I'm not going to find something and print it out online because the moment I do that, there's going to be something on that map they're going to look at. Well, what's that? Yeah. I don't know. I printed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And before I talk more about that, let me explain why this is on my mind sitting here 40 years later. I guess not 40, but whatever. 35. Too many. I'm too freaking old. All right. But let me explain why this is on my mind. One of the things I have been thinking about lately is technology as it intersects with the role-playing experience. And what I am talking about here is technological aids to role-playing that are not necessarily required by the game. All right, so let me set some parameters here. I realize if you are playing online, you're doing a remote play game over Roll20 or whatever your preferred tool is, that that's kind of a given. You can't not use Discord and have a Discord game. I understand that. I understand that if you have a tactical war game, a map, whether it's electronic or physical, is necessary to the game. I also accept that there are certain things that really fall outside of the boundaries of what I'm trying to discuss, like a quick relational doodle so people understand, here's the door, here's the bank of computer consoles, this is where you are, this is where the bad guys are. I I get that sort of thing. What I am talking about is, and I'm going to use a harsh term here, so excuse that, but I mean it in a very literal dictionary sense. It's the intrusion of technology into what is normally a pen and paper, mind's eye, to use a phrase Doug was using when we were talking about this, a theater of the mind, sort of take on storytelling. And instead, you start using things like Ark and Forge to create your maps, or use a digital play surface, or you have a computer or whatever in the background playing a soundtrack. Or you have one of these websites that does a random scramble of sound effects. So you're in the creepy woods, so you go to, there's various websites for this, reset your slider for how often the wind blows and the intensity of the leaves rustling and whether there's wolves howling in the background and all this kind of stuff. Pictures that give a theme versus a map. I've seen that happen before too, where it's a slideshow of, I'm trying to get you into the feel of this steampunk setting, for example. So it's a bunch of steampunk pictures that just slide through. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I also want to set another parameter that right now our intention, if we can make this work, is that this show is going to be a two-parter. And we are going to have someone on next episode that is very pro-technology at the gaming table. You'll also hear that there are some nuance to my views that I am intentionally going to ignore this episode. Because this episode, I want to talk about why I, and from talking to you guys, sounds like there's some general agreement, prefer to not have too much technology at the gaming table. And next episode, if things go to plan... We will come back, counterpoint ourselves, add some nuance. So don't take this too seriously. I hope you never take our show too seriously, but understand there's a context to this. And I'm going to start with my basic thesis to this is I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. And what I mean by that is in the games that I have either run or played where I tried to bring in technology and I tried to keep the technology fresh and interesting it really seemed to create far more problems than it solved. For example, with a virtual tabletop, you lose the theater of the mind. 
people take the map a bit too literally. It also limits where the characters can go because their first thought is, well, how do I escape this map? How do I go over here? What's the significance of this thing? And the game master can say, oh, that's not important. And I realize there's easy answers here. Like, well, if they go to the edge of the map, now we're going to go to theater of the mind. But if that's the case, then how important was your map to begin with? Right. I mean, so in stressing yet again, we're not talking tactical war games. You're trying to move mechs around or or space marines. I get it. You need a map. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the typical role play experience. When I've tried to play with the soundtrack, typically the soundtrack runs out or gets stale or people start responding to the songs and getting off topic long before I have reach the end of the gaming session yeah. gets or, or loud somebody the... else try to steal your speaker and is like i'm tired of what you're playing i want to play music yeah gets yeah. loud at the wrong moment yeah. the wrong song hits for the feel of the game changes yeah but the music doesn't and and even if you are a really good dj you have to be djing instead of running the game it's just this division of attention that does not work consistently. It's in the timing and the pacing is hard to synchronize with the different aspects yeah. of the game. You know? let's, let's put that as our first knock against it, of the juice not being worth the squeeze, because you don't get the payoff that technology would usually bring to other forms of storytelling, such as TV, movies, video games, because there is no director... There is no one tying the effects, visual effects, auditory effects, whatever, to what's actually happening within the mood and the pacing of the game. Right. We're not putting in the music in post-production. We can't do that. So what we're doing is running a play without a rehearsal, and that's really hard to do sound cues for. Yeah, I was actually just listening to a chunk of the soundtrack for Star Trek II, and James Horner was the director and I think wrote some of the music too. And we got to the battle in the Mutara Nebula, okay? The climactic battle between the Enterprise and the Reliant in the middle of that nebula. And as I'm sitting there listening to this song, it's like seven, eight minutes long. You can actually recall with surprising accuracy, even if you've not seen the movie all that many times, what's happening because they lined the piece up to the scene. That's not happening when you're playing a role-playing yeah. game right. because it's an improv, undirected-style storytelling. Even in a computer game, and I've listened to interviews with people that make the music and sound effects for video games, and they talk about the difficulty there because you don't know exactly how long a character is going to do something or a player is going to do something. You just know that at some point you have to keep looping it and then transition it musically to a different song or to a different key signature or a different time signature or something like that. And this individual talked at length about sort of the musical theory that goes into doing that and how they make it work. That's not happening in a role-playing game. So another issue I have with music is tied into something you just said. Star Trek 2, they made that music for that movie. It was written for those scenes. You're not going to hear that music somewhere else. A lot of these playlists are playlists of specific songs that people know that have lyrics and things to them in the background. For me, I associate songs a lot of times with events or things. What was I doing when I heard that song? Or other memories and things. 
So let's say you have a playlist going. You might very well be distracting me to go down memory lane when this song comes up. And now I've been taken out of your game and brought back to the real world. Yeah. And I think that happens for me a lot when I hear sound effects and music. It's a distraction. You put the Lord of the Rings soundtrack behind a D&D game, guess where my mind is. Okay. Exactly. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm walking to Mordor. Like, yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. I'm remembering, right oh, hey, I'm in the Shire. Yeah. Do you think old Toby is supposed to be tobacco or is that a metaphor for weed? <laughs> you know, right. That's like where your brain's at now. Yes. Never mind. You're, not, you're no longer in the tower of the red wizards of thay yeah. right. it's a huge and distraction it for is me. and even when you like the one time i did it i managed to find a uh, completely non-lyrical music completely instrumental music and i it was music that nobody else had really heard ever but that was an album that i found and that one album lasts what an hour and 15 minutes and the game goes a lot longer than an hour and 15 minutes and at the end of it it's like well i could just hit play again but I don't have anything else. It becomes its own problem. Well, and then if you're doing one of those websites that brings up the effects, you know, I want a warehouse sounds. And so it gives you sounds that are based on a warehouse. I have never seen somebody do that and not had the scene stop in the middle because somebody heard something on the sound and now is making jokes about it. It has interrupted every single game I have ever seen somebody try to use one of those websites on. Or there'll be just some sound that just doesn't fit your setting. Yeah, and, he, and if you don't do that and you try to make it more personal to your game, again, the DM is spending half their time looking for the right sound cue instead of actually running the game. Okay, yeah. so that right there, we jump past it and I'm okay with that. But point number two, which really I intended to be point number one because it is so significant to me, is the prep time that preparing a game in terms of putting together your notes doodling up even just simple pen and paper maps for reference of how things are kind of laid out setting up your npcs balancing your encounters figuring out your major plot points all that sort of stuff there's a lot of prep there already if i'm going to go out and i'm going to put together music and sound effects and maps for not just locations I know you're going to visit, but the locations that you're likely to visit and to get all the assets put into place. And if you really want to get crazy and use one of these high-end electronic tabletops or digital tabletops. And program in the fog of war. Yeah, you program in the, the fog of war where and... you put your character down or your little mini down on the map. And the mini can only see what that character would actually see. And it reveals light and darkness as it moves around and such. And then one of your players has a horrible graphics card and their machine comes to a crashing halt well, while you're trying even to show if them Even if you're gathered around a single table or this is your setup. What was the worst part of every land party? <laughs> Getting everything to yeah, work. Anyone yeah. old enough to have had a land party knows you had twelve hours set aside for video gaming, and you played video games. Maybe four of those. Right. <laughs> you spent eight hours struggling to get all the crap to work. Because even if it's only one computer that's not talking to the rest, it's one computer yeah. that's not talking to and the rest. Admittedly, technology's come a long way since then. There are some really cool tools out there, and on the counter episode to this i will bring some of those up myself but for the sake of this episode when i look at how much work it already takes to prep a game 
and then to clean it up after the fact, to write down what notes I need to do my own record keeping, whatever. If I have to lay out all these maps and place assets, and I may be putting in hours of work for a location you're in for 10 minutes. Now, there are yeah. people that for them, that's part of the fun. We're not those people. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't have time for that. It's cool <laughs> yes. in its own way. But I don't have time to build that massive library of assets. Well, and I think Mary's point wasn't even the prep for the game. It's now you're running the game, and now you have to find the asset that you right. have now stored you have to in dig a folder through all the and bring it up and find the right one. That's okay. one of the big ones I had when using Roll Twenty. Is I've got all of these different tabs of maps. I got to get the right map. Got to drag them to it. Find all the right tokens that I yeah. already found, and now I don't know and where now they the went. The tokens not on the right layer, so I have to get them on the right layer. And suddenly, instead of running the game and immersing my people. We're doing a quick troubleshoot, or they're waiting for me to get the right thing brought in. Yeah, you yeah. got to find the boss's theme song and your <laughs> shuffle of MP3s and whatever. And okay, so that's that's fair. We'll put that in as a third point of distraction. Not distraction in the sense of players jacking around on their phones, but distraction in terms of the GM's attention is now split between running the game and directing the game. Yeah, my yeah, players are yeah. playing something really cool, and instead of listening to them, I know what's about to happen, and I'm trying to get that all set up. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to find, oh crap, the troll's about to come out. Why is my troll not where I put him? He should be in this folder under monsters that starts with T. And that's because you actually left click and dragged him. And now he's up with the kobolds. Or, or, or he's under M because he's a mountain troll. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, you, yeah. But you forgot that part. It's or no. whatever it is. But yeah, now you're also directing the game. And one of the biggest distractions from games that I think technology has helped solve is things like digging through books. The players want to do something. The GM needs stats on something. Being able to go to an electronic document, an internally linked PDF. Oh, my God. Control F is yeah. your best friend. Yeah, control. Yeah, control. I, need, I need a specific rule. Hang on. <laughs> when, I was, when I was running Pathfinder, I hardly ever looked to the book to reference anything. I would go out to the SRD and do a quick search on an SRD instead of looking in the book because I can get the answer back in a matter of seconds instead of flipping through pages. But if you add in a large electronic visual audio library of character models, NPC models, physical assets, maps, Background songs, music, sound effects, effects yeah. that now suddenly you have this entire process of directing the game technology is actually adding a burden and this is my basic thesis to this going back to the juice isn't worth the squeeze is i don't think the amount of labor it takes to add all of this in and the benefit that it yields stressing there are some rare exceptions like tactical games or the more common one being you're playing an online game in the first place Okay, that's already part of the deal. But for four, five, six people around a table, I think you are adding an enormous amount of overhead, a whole lot of potential points of failure, so on and so forth, for something that really is not going to be as badass as you imagine it to be. Especially if you're trying to run a game that is a continuation game every week. If you're prepping a one-shot, especially a one-shot that you're going to run multiple times, this makes more sense. Because all those assets that you already dug out can be used again. But if this is a game where we're one place one session and we're at a completely different place the next session and none of that carries over, why? D no. <laughs> yeah, and if you're doing something like 
say sound in a room, what does your sound system look like? Because I know usually when I'm running a game or I'm, I'm playing in a game, we're not gaming in the living room where there's nice sound, everything set up. We're usually in a basement. So now you've got somebody with a speaker that's next to them where they're running the game. And the person on the far end of the table isn't necessarily hearing it as well as the person next to you. The person next to you is having a problem hearing you over the speakers. Right. The sound never comes through clear enough. And if people have tried to play it off of their phones, that's one of the big ones I've seen at the table, trying to get the sounds coming off the phones. Yeah, I don't care what Apple or Samsung told you. Your phone speaker's not that great. Exactly. Like someone sitting next to you might be fine hearing it. The other end of the table is not hearing what you're trying to do. And yes, putting in a cup makes it slightly better. But no, don't do that either. (laughs) Like it's not worth it. And then you got to worry about your cell phone going to sleep. Yeah, your cell phone goes to sleep. Or Or you get a text in the middle of a song. And and forgot you had text-to-speech on and it's <laughs> that, something raunchy from think. your girlfriend yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> suddenly the game's yeah. more interesting yeah suddenly the game well the game isn't more interesting your life just got more interesting <laughs> your friendship just got more interesting and it interrupts the game because you're re- eager to run home yeah, yeah there's right, a the great point. entertainment value to this but it's not the intended entertainment yeah one one of the other things, let's say you're doing this, you're running it off, off of a laptop, not a phone. It's not your house you're running at. Then you're bringing your laptop over every week. It's one more thing that you have to drag over and then make sure you get it plugged in. And as already as it is, I'm bringing books over. I don't want to bring a lot of stuff. I don't even like bringing dice. I leave dice everywhere I game. Yeah. So I don't have to bring dice. Okay. As somebody who doesn't mind bringing things, that's less of a problem. But even then, once you get set up, is the laptop in front of you? Is it in the way of like trying to roll dice or look at things in front of you? If you're trying to run sound off of it, are you also trying to run a game okay, off of it? Yeah. So let's off let's talk side? real estate. So oh. these other issues aside, Chad did this for the, the screen, the speakers, mm-hmm. they take up precious, precious just table space. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the more interesting times I experienced this, Chad did this for a campaign. Now, Chad likes to experiment with his jamming style for every campaign. And this was his experiment of leaning into the technology. So he brought over a monitor. He brought over a specific laptop, left it at the house, left it set up. And when he would sit there, you couldn't see him over the monitor screen. And you would see as he's struggling to bring the right (laughs) folders up. And sometimes he would be presenting the wrong monitor. Like he tried to have his notes on one side and have revolving pictures on the other. And And then all of a sudden you're reading the notes that he's running a game off of instead of watching the Yes, or the picture cycling. And he doesn't see the picture that we see. So we're like, what is that? Which is now stopping the game to ask about that picture. Right, now now you're playing a game of Mysterium and it's like, I didn't read that into, what are you looking at? Hang on. (laughs) And he was doing all of the music things and trying to get them working. And you know what? He never did it again. (laughs) Never for another campaign after trying it because it put a lot of effort into him of that while running it, he had to have things going and he was disconnected from us. He doesn't like GM screens because it blocks the view of the players. And now he has a giant monitor where we can't see I think a monitor would be worse. I mean, with a GM screen, they're not that tall unless you're really short. The monitor is, though. Absolutely horrible posture, I say, as I'm sitting like this. (laughs) Then a GM screen is not going to block your face. 
this monitor over here, that would block my face. I say even most laptops, though, are taller than GM screens. Like, if you open no, yeah, them up, you're, yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah. It, well, it becomes a visual block. Yeah, like I mean, I guess you get around that with, like, a tablet or something, but... Yeah, I have tried running games off of laptops. I tried running and running my very first con game. I've told the story many times. I tried to run having all of my notes in one note, everything really ready. And I found I'm looking at the monitor and not my players. And I, as a GM, need to feed off of the players. I need to see their facial reactions. I need to see what's going on. And I'm not making eye contact with them if I'm looking at a screen. Oh, I have had the opposite problem, too, where the player wants to run their character sheet off of a laptop. And I'm like, but... But now I'm looking at the back of your computer instead of at you. Like, that becomes its own a problem from the opposite direction, but it's the same problem. There's a disengagement because this is here. Yeah. And let's face it, some people you can't trust with it. It's true. They're going to be on the internet. Yeah, They're going to be doing have the other tabs open. Uh, some we're either internet yeah. shopping even, yeah. or we're doing other things that aren't supposed to be yeah. done That's in the not, company of other people. Definitely <laughs> not every every player. Some people you can completely trust with it, but some you can't. Yeah. Yeah, or watching literal pornography. <laughs> right, or, that's yeah. We've these are things we've had happen, and I, you know, I don't want to beat that one too hard. That was a terrible pun. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hold on that point for too long. That's not even any better. <laughs> uh, moving along. Yeah, moving yes, along. Moving uh, on. Yeah, okay, so. Moving on from that particular thing, I do think related to what you guys are describing, we as a species play social follow the leader. If you guys come into my house and I'm a real stickler for I take my shoes off at the entrance of the house, I don't eat food anywhere but the kitchen and dining room, you'll probably pick up on that if you're a decent human being and follow along. Conversely, if you see me sitting eating on my couch, watching TV, whatever, you're going to kind of follow along with that too. And given the distraction that technology represents, I understand that you can make a very clear line that the GM is doing something game-related with the technology. You being on Amazon or Pornhub is not. But doesn't it at the same time create a sort of unspoken social invitation to start playing around with technology because that's the norm at the table. Yeah, and even if it's not blocking their face, their eyes are looking down at it, not looking at you. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So even if you you think I'm completely off base on the social contract or follow the leader, it certainly does divide their attention. And, you know, even if I have the best of intentions, I've got my phone out. It's only for my character sheet. That's all I've got open. And then an alert pops up from a game, or I don't mean the role-playing game, but like a phone game, or a text message pops up from another friend of mine or a family member or something. Or even just your computer being like, hey, we updated this thing, or or you got this notification about, yeah. you know, some or you forgot or to close Steam or Discord, and suddenly somebody's hitting you up, and it's someone that for some reason you need to respond to. If they saw you there, it'd be rude not to. Or even if you don't respond, there's still that moment where you're yanked out of everything to look at that, and... I realize on its own, one of those is not really a big deal. 
But our world is a bit, in my opinion, too connected. Technology is a bit too much of a leash. We are expected, holy crap, could I rant on this for hours in a negative episode. Mm, but you should get Conan on for that one. Work <laughs> in particular has become entirely too comfortable with employee availability. But that's true socially in general. You message someone, you expect a response with a relatively short order, despite the fact that you have no right to demand that. So it's not going to be a one-off thing. When you take out a cell phone or you take out a a tablet or you take out a desktop laptop computer, this is going to become fairly frequent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where even if the person is only looking at their character sheet, what do you see when you see them doing it? Sometimes it's that perception that has more of an impact than reality. I have players over the years, multiple players that need to be doing something with their hands crochet or knitting at the table has been a thing with four different players. I've never had an issue with it because they're still making eye contact. But one person that is just poking a clicking game on their phone, even though they're just trying to do something with their hands, to me, in my mind, I'm getting that perception and perceiving they're checked out. No, I agree with you. And I think there are two reasons for that. I think one may just be purely perception. It just might be it looks different and therefore it feels different, which if that changes the affect of the game, then yeah, I think that's still valid. But that aside, I think there is a difference. Because if I'm looking at my phone and a message pops up, to read that message and to really even decide if I want to respond to that or not engages a lot more of my brain. It engages particular parts of my brain that saying just rhythmically crocheting a single pattern over and over and over and over again does not engage. It's not a background process of the mind. It is very much a foreground process of the mind that engages higher reasoning and engages what's worse the same parts of my brain that are needed for the game. And there's some question as to what extent do multitaskers even exist to begin with. And we'll take that off the table just for simplicity's sake. But let's say even if they do exist, I think the average person could agree that the more of your brain you're engaging in something, the harder it becomes to even multitask or quote unquote super task two different things at the same time. And doing something is relatively hands-on but intellectually mindless as crocheting, knitting, playing with a fidget cube, playing with a die in your hand, stacking D6s, whatever. Those activities don't take up the amount of your psyche or intellect that engaging with technology does. So imagine you're doing a battle and you're doing theater of mind in this battle and your player wants a visual, yeah. right? You have to kind of make a virtual tabletop real quick. And how long does that actually take? Yeah, well, you see you that know? even in regular physical medium. We're playing D&D, let's say. And we have a battle that's gotten sufficiently tactical or mentally complicated that we need a map, right? What do we have to do? Okay, everyone clear back the table Everyone, well, where do I put this drink? Or, oh, crap, I spilled my drink. Where do I put this food? I got to back my chair out, but Charlie's in the way. Got to move. <laughs> I need this book because as a game master, I need these stats. Where am I going to put that now? Clean it all back. Okay, where's the map? Oh, crap, the map's been rolled up. It won't lay flat. Can we find four things yeah. we don't need to Here, hold Put your it drink out? back, but don't spill it yeah. this time. All right, give me a marker. This one's dry. Give me a different marker. That color is impossible to erase. Oh, you left your figures at home. Here's a quarter. Yeah, Yeah, you're you're a quarter for this game. And uh, And the rubber band is the snake. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
And if you kill the quarter, it splits into five Bs. And <laughs> Make sure you're wearing an onion you know, on your belt. belt. As was the style at the time. And, yeah, but I mean, even... And how much worse with technology? If I've got to go grab all of that, get a map... I mean, this is one that drove me nuts in my brushes with it, was the maps, it wasn't just getting the map, it was getting them to scale. Yeah. So I might get an image, and you would think... You would think, and holy crap, I don't know why this isn't true. And I'm sure someone will say this one tool has it down right, which I totally believe is true because I don't stay on the bleeding edge of this the way I do some things. But in my time messing with this, trying to simply either resize the grid or drag and drop the image to still be of a usable size, whether on screen or on paper, and yet to have the squares or hexes roughly the size and space I need them to be and not end up with a map that's either the size of a note card or the size of a billboard and oh, yeah. and if the map already has grid lines on it oh, yeah. and then you yeah. have grid lines in the virtual table yeah trying to line those up so it'll snap to them oh heck even published maps as somebody who has tried to put castle ravenloft together as one single map some of these are on completely different angles than other parts of the map, and you just have to, like, start cutting corners and making things fit. It's none of the... Even a published setting with published maps, it's like, no, nope, no, nope, these don't actually work together. You couldn't take this image file and put it next to this image file and have them line up. Yeah, like, they just don't. Well, they're different art styles. Yeah. This one's ultra-realistic. This one's anime. And we're just going to put these side by side. Say, well, you know, use your imagination and make it work. Well, didn't we just kind of work our way back to the starting point (laughs) of use your imagination and make it work and save yourself a whole lot of time and money in the process? So we're going to leave this one here. Like I said, we are not done with this topic, or I hope not. We are at least going to attempt to get a CounterPoint episode together where we are going to try and... Well, we've got even ourselves our own pro points that we didn't mention. So there will be some nuance coming to this. But in the meantime, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2024. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.